Hi, this is Dad Stories, and I'm your dad, Tom Noodla. Hi, Dad. I'm your non-binary adult child, Eden Noodla, and this is a multi-generational podcast where we tell each other stories from our childhoods. We're here for another episode of Dad Stories, where we are going to compare and contrast how I remember growing up versus how you remember growing up. Mm -hmm. I'll share a personal story or two, and you will too, and highlight some of the similarities and differences and see where it takes us. I will learn some things about you that I didn't know, and perhaps you will too. Yes, I'm very excited about this. What did you bring me this week? I've got a story that's a little bit roundabout that ends up being about golf. Oh, I call it the shot heard round the neighborhood. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited and nervous. <laughs> you should be. You know, I've mentioned before my friend Earl who lived kitty corner across the street from me. And next door to Earl was a family called the Sundeans. And they lived directly across from the field that we used to play in. Mr. and Mrs. Sundeen were extremely private people. So we rarely saw them. I mean, we would only see them if they were pulling in and out of the driveway in their cars. If I saw either one of them on the sidewalk in town, I wouldn't have been able to tell who they were. That's how private they were. For us kids who played in the neighborhood all over the place, uh, we kind of liked to know who our neighbors were because, you know, sometimes our boundaries extended into other people's yards. Like if a ball got lost, we wanted to know our neighbors. But in this case, we didn't know if Mr. and Mrs. Sundin were mean or nice. Well, anyway, one summer afternoon, uh, Earl comes over to my house and, and knocks on the door and wants to know if I want to come out. I was always up for that. I stepped out of the house and in his hand was a cut-up golf ball and a beat-up golf club. (laughs) For us, those were treasures. Now, we weren't so deprived that we didn't have golf clubs or golf balls or know what they were. It's just that it was almost never that we had a ball and a club together at the same time. And because that was so rare, it was exciting. And I said, where did you get them from? Earl goes, well, I got them from the dump. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, really? The dump... It was a a place where every two to three weeks, our dads would load up their station wagons with all the garbage that we had been collecting over the two or three week time period. And they would take them to the dump. And the dump was only open on Saturdays. And often, uh, us boys would be dragged along to help our dads unload the, the garbage from the car. Now, the dump, as I said, was an open air refuge site outside of town. Maybe they would burned the trash. Maybe they buried it. I think at first they burned it because I used to remember getting a lot of charcoal on my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think by the time we stopped growing, going there, they were actually burying it. But going to the dump was a mixed blessing. <laughs> on the bad side, there was nothing in the world that smelled as bad as the dump. The dump was a dirty, nasty, putrid, gag-worthy, nauseating stink. Mm. It was the kind of stink that got into your clothes and made you want to go take a bath as soon as you got home, which, of course, we never did because I hated taking baths. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the dump wasn't unique to my little town. Dumps were pretty common in small towns. And I remember I was uh, at Graham and Grandpa's in uh, northern lower Michigan, We used to be able to go up there for one or two weeks just by myself. At one point, I think I was misbehaving pretty consistently, and my grandma was a little fed up with it. And so she made me go with my grandpa 
on his trip to their dump. She said to my grandpa, I need you to talk to him about his behavior. Oh. So I don't really remember what that counseling session was about. I just know that for the rest of my life, whenever I would do something a little untoward while visiting my grandma, she would threaten me with having to go to the dump with my grandpa. (laughs) My other grandpa, who lived in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, now I have a better story about going to the dump with him because he took me to the dump one summer night after dinner. So the dump was closed. Oh. And we, we went to the dump, and it was, it was up front was a chain leak fence, and it was locked. And in the back was a woods, clearly not fence, or apparently not fence, because what happened is just before the sunset, these black bears would come out into the garbage area, and they would poke around looking for food. And we saw like a dozen of these black bears before it got too dark, messing around in the dump looking for food, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I... I wanted to get a closer look, so we walked around to the end of the chain link fence. Well, it turns out that along the side of the dump was an electric fence. And it was my first exposure to an electric fence. And he actually had me touch it so I could feel <laughs> feel what it was like. But that kept the bears from roaming further. So they mm-hmm. stayed in the woods. They didn't come out. Th- those are my memories of the dump. But, it, but I digress because this isn't a story about about that. Mm -hmm. At our dump, one of the good thing was, is that it had piles and piles of interesting junk. Mm -hmm. Everybody went to the dump on Saturday uh, where we lived, but it meant we were always having to wait in line either to dump the trash into the pile or to pay the garbage man. So while our dads, you know, waited to do either of these things, we could go rummaging through the junk piles. And there were things that that were in those junk piles we could just take that were made prove to be useful, like old wagon wheels, bike handlebars, broken hammer handles, useful poles, and occasionally an old Playboy. And for 12-year-old boys, that was something pretty special. <laughs> but at any rate, on Earl's most recent trip, he found the golf club and the golf ball. Mm-hmm. And so we set about figuring out how to use this these two new And so we ran, of course, over to the field where we always went. And um, we were somewhat flummoxed. We we didn't know how far, if we hit the ball, how far it would go. If we hit away from the road, we were hitting into the woods and into the swamp, and we might never get our ball again if it went that far, which we didn't know. Mm -hmm. So we decided we were going to go over by the swamp and hit it back up towards the road. So it was uphill. Mm Mm-hmm you know, wouldn't end up in a place where we couldn't ball and use it again. And right along the edge of the road were a line of of great, big, majestic oak trees. So even if we hit it just a little bit too far, we were certain the oak trees would stop the ball's flight so we wouldn't hit a car, which was what our biggest worry was worth. Mm -hmm. So we go down by the swamp. Now, neither one of us really knew how to hit a golf ball. Mm -hmm. Well, you'd never had the club and the ball in the same place. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's right. (laughs) So we decided I would go first based on the fact that I had watched golf one time on TV with my dad. (laughs) (laughs) So we drop the ball on the ground and I pretend I know how to grip the club and take a stance and I wiggle my butt because that's what the pros did. And I took a little practice swing. It turns out none of that was useful. My first swing, I missed everything. So I settle back in. I go through that routine again. And this time when I swing, I don't want to miss the ball. So I swing a little bit lower and I bury the club head. I never even touch the ball. It just stopped dead in its tracks. Mm. 
So that didn't work too well. So on my third try, I finally had success. And the ball rolled about 10 feet. At this point, you know, Earl's been watching this series of failures. And, and he suggests very politely that maybe he should give it a try. And I consented. He treated all of my protocols with great disdain. He didn't worry about grip, stance, practice swing. He just walked right up to the ball and gave it a whack. Mm-hmm. And what a whack it was. I mean, <laughs> that ball took off. Earl and I experienced for the first time in our young lives the beauty that comes from watching the flight of a well-struck golf ball. Because mm. <laughs> it rose as it crossed the field and it was getting higher and higher. And then when it got to the oak trees, it was so high, it cleared the oak trees. So we we lost sight of it. But we knew where it was flying. It was flying right into Sundean's yard. Uh-huh. And then we heard a loud, thunderous, shuddering boom when the ball hit the side of Sundean's house. And I am sure that boom was heard by the whole neighborhood. Uh-huh. Earl and I, you know, we knew each other pretty well. We had gotten into our share of troubles before. And, and in most cases, we knew what each other was thinking And that was definitely the case this time. And so wide-eyed, we looked at each other and silently thought at the same time, Wow! Did you see that? Holy crap! That ball really flew! I didn't think it would go that far. I sure am glad it didn't break a window. Yeah. Man, it made a loud noise when it hit Sundin's house. I'll bet everyone in the neighborhood heard it. Yeah, I'll bet it left a big mark. I wonder if Mr. and Mrs. Sundin are home. And then Earl said aloud, I think I'm going to go home now. <laughs> and, and he took off like a... <laughs> he ran home as fast as he possibly could, which I thought was very prudent. And so as I watched him run away, I decided that I was going to go home through the neighbor's backyards, keeping a low profile not wanting to be seen, just in case Mr. and Mrs. Sundin were mean. The end. No, you d- you never had any any uh, uh no no answer to the great question. You never heard back from the Sundins or like or anyone in the neighborhood of the great flack heard around the world. Nope, nothing. That and I'm I'm certain upon reflection that. Our thoughts were greatly out of proportion. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. It is what we felt. You know, like the other toys and things, of course, we didn't have a golf ball anymore because we never went to get it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I was like, oh. (laughs) But we never heard it. We never heard a peep. I mean, we worried for a few days, you know, were they going to show up at either one of our houses and that kind of stuff, but, but nothing. I mean, it's not like they could have seen you even, right? It would have just been like like a bird running into the wall. Yep. 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 It, it, and if they were home, I mean, yep. none of that stuff was known. That was a lifetime memory story for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, is this is this one of those stories where then you never played golf again? I know you've played golf again. Did Earl play golf again? Uh, no. Yeah, it didn't fall into the it didn't fall in the same category as the bow. But the the issue for us is we didn't play golf for a very long time. I mean, we I didn't play golf again until I moved away. Yeah. Um, but that was more a matter of 
no longer having a ball and in a club in the same room together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's bad luck. So no, no. So did you ever play golf as a kid? I didn't. I. It's kind of um, a bummer. I was never. I don't know if I necessarily was never drawn to it, but the you, Bobby, mom. Um, did go golfing and like Bobby went to classes and got really good and I just never got myself there. I was really bad at mini golf and so I think that I self-selected out of golf. I have since played the back nine of somewhere at some point in time but golf was never, golf never held my, held my interest or um, inspired me to go about and do it. Do you remember the time we pulled out our old clubs for you and your friend, and uh-huh. they put their they put the clubs on their shoulders? And do you remember the story? And then the mouse popped out and like <laughs> ran down them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we put those gloves back, and I think they played with another. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Said, mm, these are mouse clubs now. Yeah, I, I was gonna. I was wondering if you remember doing the putt putt stuff it sounds like it was not a significant event for you well I remember doing putt-putt a lot I just remember being really bad at it and Bobby always wanting to be like oh let's go do putt-putt let's go play putt-putt let's go play putt-putt and always being somewhat reluctant albeit hopeful like I've gone mini golfing with friends before you know so it's not like it's was something that I totally hated to do but golfing bowling all of those like get the ball into the small thing um, games never <laughs> helped my interest. You did play basketball. What is your memory of I that? I did play basketball. I mean, I wasn't very good at basketball either. But I, I definitely, I mean, I, I liked, I liked team sports too. Um, maybe the individual pressure of the single shot. Um, I also really, I, I had this other memory that reminded me more of the like kind of emotional quality of this golf story and that was when I went on a big class trip with a bunch of friends you and mom gave me a camera and I spent the whole week taking these great pictures of my experience but on the bus ride on the way home one of the kids it w- we would have been about 10 and one of the kids had just started dating it was the first person who'd ever dated anyone in my class they were sitting next to each other so it was the first time a boy and a girl were sitting next to each other and i went to like take a picture of this momentous occasion and the kid flicked me off oh oh and i was so worried about developing this film and having you and mom see that that there was this child flicking off the camera that I threw out the entire, just the whole thing, the film, the camera, everything in the garbage at some gas station between here and wherever we were. I never knew that. That is a shame. <laughs> it was a shame. Who knows what I, what, what, uh, maybe it's, I mean, it's in the dump now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe somebody found it and developed it. and Probably a bear. Discovered my shame. <laughs> Probably a bear. Um, so anyway, that's on golf. I wanted to um, ask you about trash and the dump. Yes. Mm-hmm. What, what, what are your thoughts and memories about waste management? 
So we did not have a dump. We grew up in the suburbs and we're getting and got all of our trash taken away. And so the only time that I really remember kind of having to be more hands-on about waste management was when we were at um, Nan and Papa's cottage and were either burning trash or taking it to a dump. I was very hands-off about that. Now, that being said, I have always had an acute fascination with trash. Like, coming to today uh, my as an artist, I make a lot of art with trash. and But as a child, I was always picking up stuff that people would leave by the side of the road. I just loved garage sales, um, and my room was, like, at one point in time, I had this, like, broken chandelier and uh, an owl kite with a broken wing and a wooden mm-hmm. bamboo bird cage with, like, half of the poles missing. But I have always really loved transformative quality of other people's stuff in a new location. Yeah. And I love this story, loved the trash part of the story. Um, and also just I didn't realize how much how much the the dump was a part of your uh, growing up. (laughs) That was like a regular errand. Yes. Yeah, for many, many years. Oh. Mm -hmm. So did you also have a lot of stuff that you were, like, collecting from the dump? Yeah. All all those things I mentioned were things that I actually brought home, with one exception. Mm -hmm. I, I never found a pornographic magazine, but my buddies did. Mm hmm I imagine a pornographic magazine at a dump is, like, so nasty. (laughs) Usually you'd look for boxes with all kinds of magazines that somebody had thrown in, and they may have inadvertently thrown in, you know, some of those other magazines that wouldn't necessarily belong in a public place and stuff like that but mm-hmm. but oh yeah we we cl- I collected uh, useful poles to be axles for go-karts dad had gotten a whole bunch of old bicycles that I took pieces and parts from each one to create a bicycle that I used for a couple of years and I needed a handlebar and I got my handlebar from the dump so now all those things I I listed were things that I I remember collecting myself mm-hmm I had a question for you about trash. Do you remember the parade where you were doing, you did a recycling float on a wagon? And I'm kind of remembering a a theme song, Uh, recycle, recycle, something like that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, our, so our whole fourth grade or fifth grade, I think fourth grade unit was all about recycling and like waste management and one of in sixth grade we actually went to fifth or sixth grade we went to the like waste treatment plant and got to see how they are you know how they treat water how they we got you got to go to like this huge compost dump and uh wade through all of these leaves that were very warm because they were uh decomposing Mm -hmm. they told us that one kid had found a 50 once so we were very thorough in our search, but we sang a song about recycling. I think it was like meant to be not great, but it went like this. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Recycle, recycle, recycle now. 
There's nothing to it if you just know how. So tell your mama and your daddy and your sister to recycling is the thing to do. Hooray! Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Yes. Yeah. Tip your waiters and waitresses. <laughs> Um, so you remember that. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Um, it would actually, like, to be fair, it kind of paid off later because when I went to college, um, Ann Arbor has, I grew up, at, we grew up in Ann Arbor and Ann Arbor always had really good recycling um, practices and had like a full system, full citywide system. But many of my friends who were coming from more rural areas of Michigan had never had recycled before or had recycled kind of en masse and University of Michigan had like, you know, multiple buckets. And so for the first couple of months, uh, kids would come to my dorm room and be like, can I recycle this? And I would be like, yes or no, oh. depending on what it was. And then depending on like what the quality, I'd be like, oh, you know, here's how you're supposed to recycle this sort of thing. And then when I moved to California, um, in San Francisco, they have citywide compost recycling, like composting as well. So you have three bins. And depending on what restaurant you're going to, they might have compostable or recyclable containers. And sometimes it's difficult to tell the difference. So I now have to ask people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I compost this or recycle it? Yeah, yeah. And there were definitely like a lot during school, lots of opportunities where we were recycling um, or, you know, reusing different things. I remember in high school doing something similar where we were recycling rubber because rubber takes 80 years to decompose in, in a landfill or something like that. And so we were having kids like turn in their old shoes and... Yeah, yeah. So. so if we were to if we were to look, it's clearly when we talk about trash, a significant difference between the time when I was a kid and you were a kid in terms of focus on uh, better management of our waste. Yes, yeah, and I think that that's something that's that we're still kind of like grappling with. We're seeing lots of movements happening right now, um, like the whole. I, have you been following the plastic straw? Yes, I guess like individual legislation and there's been, um, you know, the conversation we're having about that and this, the owner, putting the onerous of recycling on individuals and not on the, you know, companies that are creating the trash that we now have to throw away in, um, which is harder to do as individuals than it might be at that larger scale level. Well, like all, all the big problems, this one is one where... There's a role for everybody. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's true. Other thing I wanted to ask before uh, I turn the microphone over to you <laughs> mm-hmm. was I mentioned that I knew all of our neighbors in our little neighborhood, except for mm-hmm. except for the one family referred to. But we knew, we may not be friends or anything else, but we knew who they were. We knew enough to say hi to them. They'd say hi to us. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on the neighborhoods you grew up in vis-a-vis who you knew, how comfortable you felt in them, how safe you were. Uh, Mm -hmm. Were there any it-takes-a-village kind of experiences or memories that you may have had? 
I would say definitely did not know our neighbors as much as it sounds like you did. Um, we had a really strong relationship with the Meadows and then Bobby had friends that had a lot more friends kind of around the corner, but for the most part, we knew our back neighbors, we knew the Meadows and maybe two or three more families on our street. But for the most part, I, you know, wouldn't even be able to pick um, most of the folks that lived in our neighborhood in a lineup. Mm. And I mean, I definitely felt safe in our neighborhood, but and I also, but I also didn't really play in other people's yards that I didn't really have to know other people in our neighborhood in, in case that I like was going to get into reckless behavior in their area yeah. and was going to need to know if they were cool or not. Right, right. No, that's true because we also, you also had parks very close by that we never had. Yeah. Is that, that's oh, a good yeah. point. That's a good point. You didn't have to worry about that as much. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting. How, how do you feel about the relationship we have your neighbors as an adult right now? Yeah, I, I think that that's, a great question. Our front door, we have a duplex and our front person is our landlord. Um, so like that relationship, we keep very professional. And then I'm fortunate. I think we're fortunate that our next door neighbor is, has, has taken a responsibility of kind of having um, a somewhat neighbor, neighborly knowledge of everyone who's around. And mm-hmm. so... We know we know Michael, and then we when we first moved in, our other next door neighbors introduced themselves. But for the most part, you know, I'm waving to people. I wave everyone that I see in the neighborhood. I wave to, and they will like smile or wave back to me. I find that in general, my experience with living in San Francisco and then in Oakland was that you know, people there's just so many people all the time that getting to know everyone can seem like maybe a burden in uh in like a why is this why are cities less friendly than um you know the midwest right. but that being said i have found people to be very kind and there is a like maybe greater sense of community if not immediately in my neighborhood right Right. This is a story that I wanted to share with you regarding neighbors and mm-hmm. what I've found to be valuable today. So so I I absolutely agree with your observation about the neighbors in the neighborhood you grew up in. Although I think mom and I know several folks better than you would have at you know peer to peer but but not because they didn't have kids necessarily, but there was one time recently within the last 3 or 4 years where uh, I was on a business trip. Mom was visiting Nan and Papa, and we were gone for multiple days. We, we were going to be gone for multiple days, and we got a call from our neighbors, and they said, did you know your garage door is open? And we said no, and they go, well, we thought it was strange because you never leave your garage door open. Mm. And mm. would you like us to shut it? Absolutely. That'd be great. And it was funny because they they tried to get a hold of mom and mom wasn't answering. So they knew enough to call my office in in Michigan. And my office called me in my meeting in Miami to say, your neighbor called you. That's, you know, that's significant. Um, and that's I That's some deep sleuthing. Yeah, yeah. And they, sh- they shut the garage door for us. Um, and, 
you know, there's been case, and then and then it happened actually in reverse where they were in like Costa Rica, and they called up and they mm-hmm. said, "Can you please go check and see if we shut our garage door because it's bothering us?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but um, I think it it would be comforting, and maybe this is as much advice as it is experience, but I think it'd be comforting if you were to know a neighbor well enough that they had access to your house or had a place where if you lost a key, you could trust them to have an extra key for you so that you could get in. Um, yeah. And those are some yeah. those are some useful measures and experiences that we've had over the years that kind of define an acquaintanceship versus a true neighborliness is to say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I trust you enough to give you the keys to my worldly goods in case I need it and vice versa, you know? Yeah. So food food for thought on the, on the uh, neighbor conversation. Uh, yeah. Take it for what it's worth. I, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think that's interesting because, like, it kind of brings up this also difference between renting and owning because it's like, you know, if any of that stuff ever happened, we have our landlord who, like, you know, lives at our house. Yeah. Um, but our landlord relationship is professional. Um, we had an interesting thing happen this you know past holiday it was the first time we had a holiday with our cat we just got a cat last year and having to find someone to take care of our cat which is like somewhat transactional somewhat neighborly um and we uh, you know found one of our local friends who was uh, up for up for sitting yeah but that felt like a very adult very neighbor Neighborly. Neighborish. Neighborly. Neighborly thing yeah. to do. Yes. <laughs> so any other thoughts? I I have a couple more stories that kind of that sparked, but I think I'm going to save them for next time. Well, uh, once again, I had more fun than I was asbestos. <laughs> oh, good. Me too. <laughs> All right. So um, it's been great talking with you, and we'll talk to you soon. It was good talking to you too. I love you, Dad. I love you too. Bye-bye.